0: It is affecting businesses of all sizes. And there's a kind of couple of different camps. There's organizations that are just uh, being alert to the realities and they're wanting to be preemptive and build a security program. And that's very admirable. I think most SMBs, unfortunately, the reason that they Mm. decide to endeavor into building a security or privacy program is because something happens that makes it mandatory. And now what we see, like if you're talking about a dentist clinic, a good example because the B to C side is a little less clear right. because most consumers right. don't have the sophistication or time, or necessarily feel they have the individual risk to scrutinize each of their vendors to the same degree. A lot of people are unfortunately not super aware of how they even do that. So hackers, you love it. Hackers, yeah. you know, hackers go where the least resistance. If they're seeing a certain demographic of customers or a certain. Niche of companies starting to tighten their security. They're going to move and find a niche that hasn't gotten there yet. B2C companies are, I would say, in a lot of ways, higher risk now.
1: Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host. Shahid Durrani. Today we have with us Darren Gallup. Darren is a business leader and security professional with over 20 years of experience as a CEO and CISO of companies that handle sensitive data. Welcome to our show, Darren. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. It's great to have you, my friend. So can you share with us how you got into this world? Yeah, it's a pretty fascinating story. My Mm. background in my early 20s was in
0: music. I was a professional musician for several years, got into producing and engineering records. started a record, started a music studio that turned into a record label. Uh, And then in 2008, I started my first tech company, which was actually built around helping managing the logistics of touring musical groups and labels and managers and the folks that work with coordinating all the activities associated with um, touring musicians. That pivoted to include festivals in 2012. And by 2015, we had Burning Man, Bonnaroo, Coachella, Just for Laughs, X Games, like just a pile of big events in 23 countries around the world. And the product and customer base evolved in being larger and the product evolved to having more and more confidential information. So Naturally, the requests that we were getting from the, the purchasers, the people who are using the product, especially organizations like Live Nation, AG, Disney, that have fairly sophisticated cybersecurity due diligence departments. They're looking at their vendors and their security posture overall. And it just, uh, just got it really intense for us. And it actually, in fact, became, became one of the biggest barriers in the business. And I ended up putting a lot of emphasis on it fixing the problem, understanding the problem, learning about what are best practices for what we're doing. And this is all just around the time when the GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation out of Europe was being drafted, not yet, had not yet been put to punishable by law or anything, but it was out there and everybody knew it was coming. We were navigating ISO 27001, SOC 2, getting ready for GDPR. There's some Canadian regulations that we had to beef up on as well. And so this became a big barrier to sales to renewals. And I dove in all, all over it and just got me, it's it pushed me into being super immersed in the security and data privacy world. Over a span of about a year, we went from being fairly naive about it having some best practices by default, but generally not having full comprehensive security and privacy posture. And we went to being really the leader in our space in terms of having our security and, and data privacy where it should be. And that journey involved taking some courses online reading a lot bringing consulting consultants working with them learning from them drafting policies building controls training people amongst our team rearchitecting parts of our tech stack and apis and various different things like that so it was a very immersive kind of gun to our heads like feeling of we need to do this or we're going to be we're going to be taken out as a co- as a company this is a this is super important and then once we got yeah. there, once we got to that point, we really started feeling that it was a very good place to be from a sales perspective in, in, in the competitive landscape. So we actually didn't stop there. We kept improving our posture. We kept innovating around how we do things secured in a secure way, giving security features to the customers and becoming a bit more of a trailblazer in that context. I moved along to get my CIP certification. And then in that journey is when I started thinking about this. Wow, this is a big problem that a lot of small to medium sized companies are going to get slapped in the face with and they're not going to be ready for it and the consultant world and the templates out there and a lot of the toolage out there is designed for the enterprise risk world and there really wasn't much demand or much created around helping organizations that were smaller that were going to need to very quickly meet these enterprise security requirements of their customers so I just got really obsessed about it. And then as we started eyeing the acquisition of the last company, I I was pretty deep into the idea of how do we create automation? How do we generate documents? How do we create tailored security programs using models and matrices and software and things like that? So it was just a really natural next step to jump into and something with a huge market potential that was exciting. I like big, messy problems where you can see through all the murkiness and you can see a way to... To build a solution, like most of those visions, the build is harder than the vision and it's proven to be the case, but that's how I went from being in my twenties, playing drums and music and producing records to being a security
1: leader and building and running a security business. And if you enjoy challenges, you learn a lot more too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah you know, it's been
0: a massive learning experience like the whole thing of navigating yeah. it back in my last company was a huge learning experience but just the experience of building a security company is just very different mm. than building building a music
1: company or an event company so it's yeah. been a yeah, huge a learning difference. journey yeah yeah and the expertise is coming mostly from experience like hands-on experience
0: yeah. Initially it was like I took some online courses. I bought, I went through a certification process that involved reading and studying from very thick books mm, and mm. taking some online courses and things like that. And initially that's where it derived from. But as the company started to mature post our seed around, we actually started recruiting talent that has other, other experience and, and more years in the trenches in the security world. Yeah, so we run a, v, of a VP of product our VP of product our VP of sales, both came from security companies with pretty strong backgrounds and Selling or servicing security customers, and we brought on an expert out of the U.S. that uh, really helps us. Somebody who worked at PwC and some of the other bigger firms, and, and really experienced in a more enterprise security world. world so we could diversify. So we brought in a an IT security guy who's got a lot of experience in application security, penetration test, ethical hacking, and all that stuff. Started mm-hmm. with started with my research, sort of philosophies and thoughts around this. Which, but I and it's still that's still an important part, like that vision. We brought in all these highly skilled people, but it's one of the things that I really early on in this journey found was a huge differentiator in my way of looking at this problem was that like, I wasn't a security person first. I was mm. a person that was like an entrepreneur dealing with the problem. And I took a more, I think I took a more creative and a more thoughtful approach versus just reading stringent controls from very large security standards and trying to stuff them into companies that were very different maybe all companies a lot of the companies we deal with are SaaS companies you've got maybe there's no office network maybe everybody works from home and really the network and the IT environment is highly cloud or SaaS SaaS organized different SaaS tools that are integrated together by APIs just a different lingo different mindset and just recreate how we, how we talk about security mm-hmm. and how we approach it in, in a way that can fit into the organizational culture of these small to medium-sized businesses.
1: And what do you think the landscape will look like with artificial intelligence becoming more part of our lives and in businesses?
0: Yeah, big question. I think about it a lot. Definitely been very, I've been following the OpenAI and some of the other AI LLMs for a while now and been a heavy user of ChatGPT since it became available to the public. I do use it in a regular, almost daily basis in the line of work that I do, just whatever I'm doing, whether it's on the personal front to in the kitchen, making recipes and coming up with meal plans, things I'm working on at work. We have partnered with a company that's built an abstraction layer for us and set us up in a way we've baked an open AI integration into our version 2.0 over platform. We're actually very deeply innovating on the AI front, leveraging AI in terms of how our tool will evolve, which I think a lot of companies are doing that. In terms of how how does it affect the space? It's going to give super tools to both the adversary, your criminals, your hackers, your malicious actors, it's doing that already. The, the criminal world is heavily using ChatGPT in their line of fraudulent work, and that ranges from just making their emails seem more like they're a native speaker of whatever language they're trying to hack you in. Um, Chat is really good at translating and That's a good textually. Point. And uh, so like the phishing emails and stuff like that, like. The likelihood of seeing grammatical errors or non-colloquial type language is reduced highly by the use of ChatGPT. We now see. I did a, I actually did an episode on how Chat ChatGPT and and I, I featured in my last my last episode of my podcast. I featured the, what we call the AI scam or the I call it the AI voice scam. And essentially, what it is, I could take a very small sample of your voice. I could program a tool within about five minutes to replicate your voice, and then I can talk through my microphone and essentially sound like you, like colloquial wow. accent. Tonality, intonation, and everything. Right. I did some samples where I recorded my own voice, uh, trained a tool, typed out some messages, had it do a portion of the podcast where it wasn't actually me speaking. And so, like that, technology is very accessible in the hands of every single individual, more or less, on the planet. And we're seeing that happening. There's been scams all over the U.S. and Canada where grandparents get a phone call and it's somebody pretending they have their daughter, and you can hear the daughter in a very convincing, very real her voice help mommy, give the man the money. So he lets me go like all kinds of weird things like that are happening. Right. So that's going to happen across the direct to direct to everyday people are going to be hit with this. And it's happening on a daily basis. It's going to have, it's going to elevate things on the other side. And then we see hackers building hackers that are like more like script kiddies that may not have the skills to generate really sophisticated malware, but they're able to trick ChatGPT into creating malicious code for them that they can then leverage and use. We're seeing it on that side. And then on the good guy side, it's kind of like the same game, right? It's like, Somebody invented the radar gun so that you catch speeders. And then yeah. the same companies invented the tool that the cops could use to see if catch the radar guns. And then somebody came up yeah. with a radar detector detector. And that's yeah. like, it's like that ping pong volley going on. And what we're seeing on the cybersecurity side is tons of stuff happening. Like We're in innovating and leveraging AI in a very big way on documentation and control generation, report generation, variety of different things there. We're seeing it in advanced threat detection, where anomaly detection can be correlated in different products where you're just able to to, to reduce the amount of human time needed. The mm. old way is like everyone's monitoring logs, looking for something weird happened, happen, but now you've got AI monitoring logs and flagging things and getting a lot more agu- accurate in terms of identifying potential threats. Mm. Yeah, we're going to see innovation in all sectors, but the criminal organizations out there are heavily leveraging AI to advance their, their abilities and their technology stack as they move forward. And The defense side, the good guys are also hard at it, coming up with new ways to leverage developments in AI
1: to build first in class products. Cybersecurity was mostly for, like you mentioned, for enterprise. Now, what are your thoughts on small businesses, the medium-sized businesses working on creating cybersecurity for their business? For example, a dental clinic has a lot of personal information, what kind of recommendations can you give to start the process of securing the data?
0: Yeah, it it is affecting businesses of all sizes. And there's a kind of couple of different camps. There's organizations that are just uh, being alert to the realities and they're wanting to be preemptive and build a security program. And that's very admirable. I think most SMBs, unfortunately, the reason that they decide to endeavor into building a security or privacy program is because Something happens that makes it mandatory. So
1: Mm. what
0: we see a lot in SaaS companies is if you're selling to government or enterprise right now, there's a security, there's a third-party vendor due diligence process that you're going to be put through, and they're going to expect to see a certain degree of sophistication that's appropriate to the amount of risk that you're your products or services posed to their organization. So let's so then the B2B side we see a lot of that 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 sophistication happening quickly. It's being pushed through. It becomes a sales enablement process for a lot of small businesses. So it's like they can't mm-hmm. sell mm-hmm. to whole classes of customers unless they have a certain mm-hmm. ability to articulate a posture around security or privacy or maybe even a certification like an ISO 27001 or CMC or a SOC 2 or something like that. So there's that side. And now what we see on, like, if you're talking about a dentist clinic, unfortunately- Example. You know, as an example, and it's a good example because it's a, the b to c side is a little less clear yeah. because most consumers- yeah don't have the sophistication or time to indiv- or necessarily feel they have the individual risk to scrutinize each of their vendors to the same degree that say a Microsoft or an AWS is going to, if they're scrutinizing a SaaS company. A lot of people are unfortunately not super uh, aware of how they'd even do that. So where we see... Hackers. We, hackers, Oh yeah. Hackers. They love it. They're, and hackers, yeah. you know, hackers go where the minute, where's the least, uh, the chain of least resistance, right? So they're going to go, yeah. if they're seeing a certain uh, demographic of customers or certain niche of companies starting to tighten their security, they're going to move and find a niche that hasn't gotten there yet. B2C yeah. companies are, I would say, in a lot of ways, higher risk now because exactly. they haven't had these sales, these mm-hmm. supply chain pressures. They never had a reason. reason. Yeah. And so what's happening yeah. there, the reason that's being created there quite rapidly in a variety of jurisdictions in US, Canada, and across the world, quite frankly, is all these privacy regulations that are popping up, right? And GDPR was a very, very highly publicized one in 2018, 2019. Um, but we're seeing in Canada, we have a reform of a Privacy Act here. We're seeing each state has their own Privacy Act in, in each, or each sorry province in Canada. And in the United States, we're seeing various new privacy legislations popping up across the U.S. in a variety of different states. So all of a sudden, what's changing out there for all the businesses, This I think this is where the pressure is going to really come on to the, to the B2C and has already started to happen, is that you're technically breaking the law by collecting... Personally identifiable information, when I mean, you're talking about a dentist shop, which is a great example because you're getting into PHI, like personal health mm. information. So mm. you have identifiable information like people's names, phone numbers, addresses, maybe payment mm. information. Then
1: mm-hmm. you get into socially,
0: like, Yeah, social security numbers. Mm. You're going to have mm. insurance plans. You're going to have, but then you're also going to have different aspects of their medical history that are going to be on file. Mm. You're, you then like in the U.S., for example, and you have a requirement mm. under the HIPAA Act, which is a privacy legislation that's been around mm. for quite a long time, since the 90s in the U.S., That focuses on protecting health information, and then you have requirements on whatever state you're in. Likely, you're on a privacy component for that non-health related personally identifiable information you have. But at the same time, because there's the legislators are having a hard time really policing this, and where are they finding organizations? And it's usually larger, larger organizations or post a breach. So if you have a breach, and all of a sudden, and we Mm. actually seen one happen in Canada, was a whole conglomerate of of dental clinics that were all purchased by one vendor, oh, really? a major data breach and th- th- things like that. And what, what happens there is like, then all of a sudden you have the jur- you have a potential fine coming down the line when they find out that you weren't really practicing your due care, due diligence attributed or associated with the privacy regulation. So then you have a fine coming from your government and then that return. Then the next thing that happens is then they make you buy everybody some sort of credit monitoring tool. And then all of a sudden you'll have a legal firm pop up and go, Ooh, class action time. And they'll put together a class action suit with a couple of people leading the queue on that. And then they'll go out find, look do announcements and find people. And so you, know, you get the fine, you have the loss of money when you've got hacked, you get the fine. Then all of a sudden you're staring down the barrel of potential lawsuit of some sort or class action suit, right? So it can be really detrimental. And then we see a lot of companies too, where they might see, like, I know other dentist clinics that saw this happen with this bigger dentist clinic. And then they all go, oh no, like when you so when you see one of your own, one of your own, because you you see the yeah. breaches like oh Microsoft Equ- Equifax got breached, yeah. like whatever I'm Big a doctor guns. or a dead fan, mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, but when mm-hmm. you see like us, twenty seven dental clinics in Atlantic Canada were ransomed yeah. and blah blah. blah and then you're like oh shit, they're coming after us too. And then so you get mm-hmm. that sharp sort of thing. But when it comes to what do you do to where do you start? If you don't have a background in security and privacy, which is the case for ninety nine percent of all business small business owners, really, you, you have to understand your risks and understand your obligations. That's really where everything starts, right? So it's really understanding Mm -hmm. the business and you really do, you need a qualified firm or firm that has toolage that can scan your environment, understand Mm -hmm. your environment, understand your regulatory environment understand your risks and what threats that are active out there. So it's not, Mm -hmm. you can go about it in a patchwork way. There's all kinds of use multi-factor encryption and change and make your passwords complex. Like all that stuff is good stuff. And those are things that are going to help. But to really, the starting point is really understanding what the risks are, understanding the business, understanding the security threats and where the exposures are and the risks. What would the outcomes be? And then building a plan, like, so you can really figure out, okay, what are we going to do now? Like in this quarter, what are we going to do over the next year? Where are we, Where's the ideal posture that we should be aiming to be a year from now? And then under, that, that's where it all starts, right? That's how anytime I've ever helped a company build a security program or that my company has, when we engage, that's the first thing we do. It's really, okay, let's get it all on the table. Let's understand the business. Let's understand the exposure points. Let's understand what active threats that we're aware of out there in the threat landscape that that could likely have a high degree of likelihood and a high degree of impact on the business. Let's start with that and then build out policies, programs, controls, set rules, set responsibilities, uh, bring in whatever toolage or assistance that's needed or any upskilling that needs to happen or awareness training across the organization, put some tools in effect to measure success so that, because it's a change, like organizations going from not thinking about this to practicing and becoming like a secure and privacy by design type company is it's a cultural change people have to there needs to be some degree of education and there needs to be change i always make the analogy of this time of year a lot of people are trying to hammer in the diets and hit the gym and try to lose a little bit of that winter layer before the shirts come off on the beach and you you can't just do that for two months and then go back to your old habits and expect to to maintain That physique and and security posture is very similar, right? Like it needs to be a change in the organization. There needs to be process. It needs to be measurable. You need to have action. There needs to be metrics driven so that you can be alerted when you're not performing well. And go jumping on the scale every couple of weeks and seeing, okay, maybe I'm drinking too many beer. I'm putting on a couple of pounds. You know, where you need that, you need that measurable aspect to understand when you're performing well
1: and when you're not. Yeah. So Darren, can you share some tips for a small business owner of some sort that they can do immediately before getting professional help, of course, but something that they can immediately do in the next few days to make it more secure. So at least they're watching this episode, they can get the ball rolling.
0: For sure. The first thing I would do would be go look at all the passwords for all of the things that I log into. And if mm-hmm. I'm using the same password for anything, or if I've been, in other words, if you have a password that you use over and over for multiple services, change every one of your passwords. Yep. It's really easy because I can go on the dark web right mm-hmm. now and buy, find your password that you've used and say, say you were part of the LinkedIn breach and you still use that password. I can yeah. find that password and then I can use your email address, oh, wow. the password you use. And I could send a robot to go after all the popular, like the top 150 or 250 most popular websites in the world. And try to log in using those credentials. That's really easy to do. It's like anybody could do that. You don't need to be, you don't need to be a, a rock scientist to do to that. Right? So, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you have a lot of passwords, you can look at something like single sign on, whether you're a Microsoft customer mm. or a Google customer, or, uh, both of those environments have single sign on tools where you then just sign on to the Google environment. And then you can use that to single sign on to other things. So you have to worry about memorizing 30 or 40 passwords, password managers, stuff like one password. So you can set up, you just have to memorize the password to your one password the password to your computer. And then you have really long impossible to guess passwords that are generated yeah. by one password for all your things. And then it manages the logging in. Like that's a really good one. Hardening your devices would be another next step. And what I mean by that is your, all your technology, right? You, if you have, do you have servers? Do you have routers, Wi-Fi hotspots, laptops, phones, update them? Are they still supported? You see this all the time, especially oh. in small clinics, so you might go into a clinic and be like, oh, they have a Wi-Fi router that's from 10 years ago. It's no longer supported. It's now, it's not mm. able to upgrade to use a supported version of TLS encryption. There's tools you can buy to hack old routers and you don't need to be that technically inclined. You can just download it off the web, sit outside, yeah. run the tool, robot the tool to do most of the work. And all of a sudden you're in their Wi-Fi environment, right? So update things, make sure the firmware is up to date on everything. If you have any IoT devices in your home, and your business, make sure they're supported devices. If they're not, get rid of them and replace them with supported devices. Make sure you have a program in place to update those devices. Make sure you harden your items, like your cell phone. So encrypt your laptop. So if you've accidentally got, if you got robbed or left at the coffee shop, that somebody doesn't just gain access to everything, things like that. You can easily Google how to harden any device that you use pretty easily. The other one that I would say, this is a big one is MFA multi-factor authentication. Use that on everything and don't lock it to your cell phones. What happens if you lose your cell phone? Stuff like that. So lock it to an authenticator app and use MFA. What you know, is MFA? Multi factor authentication means technically the term so, is that there's two different
1: factors that you have to enter to access any of your oh, websites. So, so a lot of the platforms are asking you to do enter your cell phone number right? and we'll send you a text, a yeah, uh, uh, you know,
0: temporary code. And what the concept mm. is something and something you have, that's the, those are the factors. Something, something you have, something you are. Like in biometrics, you'll see some tools will use your fingerprint. That's something you are, right? Unless somebody cut your finger off, they're going to have a hard time getting your fingerprint. And then something you have is your phone. Having something like an authenticator app, like Google Authenticator on your phone, then you can log in. I use that. Yeah. So having MFA on all those things means that if for some reason somebody did get your password, there's another layer of defense there. So in the example I described earlier, where I go and find your favorite passwords by some breach data that I find on the dark web. If I go to try to get into your Google account using that that password and maybe it's even the correct password but because i'm using it on a new device it's going to go okay tell me your give me your second factor and i'm gonna be like okay this guy's got mfa yeah. next next subject and move on right next and then yeah. you're going to yeah. get an alert from google saying oh somebody from ip address blah 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 and iran just tried to log into your yeah. you know, wherever jamaica or somewhere in the world so then yeah. you get the notification mm-hmm. from that provider right so those are some those yeah. are some things that everybody should do and that's not got just it. if you're a small business, like. I say that to people that are in your home, your family, your children, like looking after yourself and your loved ones. That's like core foundational practices that can take you out of the low-hanging fruit category where there's a lot of hackers out there looking for low-hanging fruit.
1: Thank you so much, Darren. It was a pleasure meeting you. Pleasure talking to you about this stuff. It's great that you're spreading that awareness, not just for your company, but to actually make people understand how serious this is because technology is ramping up like next level and it's happening in days and months now it doesn't take a few years anymore protecting that data protecting sensitive information is super important so I'm glad that you came on. If we, I was going to ask you to play some music too, but maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. I might need to practice a yeah. little bit first. I'm a little rusty. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, Darren. It was great, my friend. Thank you. Definitely, we'll be following all your pages. Keep in touch, and also appreciate you agreeing to help us promote your episode on your network. It really helps us make a bigger impact. Absolutely. Appreciate you for that. Yeah. Thank you, Darren. And audience, thank you once again for joining us for another episode. You heard Darren, you got to take a look at what they're doing. Most probably you have a business. You don't want to brush this security stuff off your list. I know you have so many things to do. I get it, but it's definitely something that you want to pay attention to, especially nowadays. And I'm saying this to myself, too. Appreciate you guys helping us grow. Thank you for being part of our show, and we'll see you next time. And, Darren, thank you.
0: Thank you. Take care. Cheers.